step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a jam-packed edition of the American Citizens Podcast. Um, we have a lot to get to today, so we're, we're not going to bother with too many formalities, but... Josh is here, and we do have the on loan from the Blue Moon and the uh, City Watch podcast. We have Howard Hawking with us. Howard, welcome to our little show here. Hello, it's great to be here, and it's great to have you here. Yeah, so it, it, you're somebody that I enjoy listening to quite a bit. Uh, on the Blue Moon and City Watch podcast, so it's great to, as Grace says, get you in our little corner of the internet. Yeah, it's very kind of you to say that. Anyway. It's a it's a favorite phrase of mine. So <laughs> let's let's just jump right to it because twenty four hours ago when I made the rundown for this show, it looked a lot different because in the twenty four hours since then, John Stones has signed for Manchester City, which. Normally we have an inkling of when these things are going to happen, but we didn't find out until in traditional city fashion, UEFA released the squad lists and he was on it without any sort of official announcement. So let's, let's, let's start by reacting to that signing in particular. And we'll start with you, Howard. Um, I personally think that this was something that needed to get done. And so what do you think? And the other question I is, do we think he's going to play against Sunderland at the weekend, or is it too soon? Uh, well, yeah, I'm glad. I'm, first of all, I'm glad he signed. Uh, it did look as though, from I mean, you can't believe what you read in the newspapers, the media, but it looked like it was going to drag on for quite a while, or that we might even walk away. Uh, but if Pep Guardiola obviously clearly wanted him, then it's we just it was the best. You know, we pay what we have to pay when we get the deal done. And looking at how we lined up at the weekend, even if it was friendly, we really needed to sign him. So, as for whether he'll, I mean, normally, traditionally, new signings don't go, you know, straight into a team if they've not been with the team, because you'll have to get used to. I don't know how long, he, how hard he's been training. Obviously, he could be perfectly match fit, but of course, he's got to get used to the way of of Pep Guardiola's tactics. But I think he might play, yes, because there's not many other options, to be honest. And uh, make you know what are the, what's the alternatives? I think so. For that reason, I hope he does. Josh, I'm the original question here before this all happened actually was, who on earth? And it was literally phrased this way: Who on earth is going to play center back on Saturday? Um, and Charlie on Twitter is one of our listener questions, so we'll knock it out of the park right now. He asked us who starts at the back on Saturday, as well as in goal, which we'll get to. But just your general reaction and what, uh, who's going to line up at the back on Saturday? Because if you'd have asked me 24 hours ago, I would have said Otamendi, if he's fit, which we, he has an injury apparently and we don't know yet. And I probably would have guessed Denaire because company's not fit. 
Mangala's clearly not in his plans, and I'm not completely sold that he wants before, to throw before I answer this question into the fire. Before I answer this question, I want to ask Howard a quick question, because that'll determine, I think, how I answer this. Howard, I made a point last night on Twitter after the Stone signing that, that Gray quickly just decimated, uh, ruining all my hope, because I had noticed that on the list of that Champions League roster was also Jason Denayer, which yeah. I thought was outstanding, because that means... It could mean he means to play a role uh, moving forward, especially in the Champions League, which if, if that's the case, then, you know, he's got to feel a lot better about his situation. But then Gray said, well, I, there is the issue of resubmitting for the group stage after the playoff. And it's far more likely that if company is fit by then, he would replace Denayer, bumping him from the squad. Somebody else is going to have to go too, because Gundogan isn't on there either for the same reason. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, but my question to you would be: Do you think Denayer is going to be gone? Do you buy into Gray's theory, or are you the eternal optimist like me and think that this means positive things for Denayer's city future? Yeah, uh, I'm closer to Gray. I don't. I don't think it's positive because, yeah, this is a squad list for two games. Company, obviously, is going to be nowhere near fit. And, but to be honest, on the other side, I'm not sure when Company is going to be coming back. Uh, don't presume that he'll be back for the group stages either because, well, because we know what he's like. We know, you know, past history. Um, I mean, you can, all you can go off is, well, you know, we've discussed it before on many podcasts, is how much time players got in in pre-season and to see see the lineup again in the Arsenal friendly and for him not to get time there was very strange and to me that doesn't bode very well uh yes he'll be on this list for two uh for two qualifiers but in a you know in a couple of weeks they'll be done uh I'm not because he's not had a lot of time pre-season I'm not I'm not confident yeah. he's, I'm not confident he's got a future unless circumstances, i.e. the lack of alternatives, means that he gets pushed in. And, you know, if that happens, it could Pep may not have reached his Kolarov tipping point yet, either. You know, <laughs> he, he may still think he can improve him. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's obviously not been watching him for... I mean, I, I like to think that Pep is a realist. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I'm very... I'm just so surprised at how the team... The initial... T I know there was... So many changes second half. You know, it's your typical friendly. Everyone comes off, everyone goes on. But I'm still surprised by how he began the game. And it still makes me wonder, is he going to put Kolarov in there at the weekend? So, I thought it was damning, for lack of a better word. That it's damning for Denea. That yeah. Denea didn't even get on the pitch during yeah. the first friendly. With, with, with the options available, I thought that was a pretty damning indictment of where he stands right now. But on the flip side of that, as Asom pointed out on Twitter, it's starting to look like my my Tosin prediction is is spot on. Or bang on, I guess, as you guys would say, uh, across the pond. Um, then in that case, I'm going to have to change my answer to your question and say, as much as I dislike the idea of him playing there, Pep seems to be somewhat wed to the idea of Kolarov as a center back. And I'm thinking 
it's simply because Kolarov has ball skills. Um, uh, I don't know how far you want to extend that phrase to mean whatever it is you want it to mean, but there is no doubt that with his left foot, Kolarov can, can, can do some magical things, and Pep's lines are all about symmetry. He's going to want a left footer on the left side, a right footer on the right side, and I think that that's where... Uh, you 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 have Kolarov, and then eventually John Stones coming in. Um, I, I I might guess though in a pinch he could go with Fernandinho. Like Pep's Pep's effusive praise of Fernandinho this season has vindicated everything I've felt as I affectionately call him Vidinho. Uh, everything I've felt about the Dino for quite some time, that this guy is starting to look like, I think you said it, Howard, he's starting to look like a damn steal for what we got him for. I mean, revisionist history and all, but is that, I mean, would how, how would you play that? Would you put, and I know that this is a loaded question because of what we just said about Kolarov, but would you play the option of having Kolarov alongside uh, John Stones on the weekend, or would you have Fernandinho back there with Kolarov and just bank on the fact that you can overwhelm Sunderland with numbers? Personally, I'd like two centre-halves to be there, so I'd rather have Tosin or Denea next to Stones. Uh, I know you could move Fernandinho. He could easily do a job there. But then you, if you take him out of midfield, then you've got a gap in midfield because, I mean, you look at Yaya Torre, he's not played much time. I doubt he's match fit. I don't think he's in the plans to start the weekend. Gundogan's injured. I think the fact that he didn't even get a full shift in one of those games, Pep yanked him off. I thought that is back to that word again, damning. And for all the attacking players report and, you know, the exciting future, obviously one hasn't arrived yet. One's got a small injury. Uh, and they're all a lot of them are wide, very attacking players. You take Fernandinho out for central midfield, and you're leaving a bit of a gap there. So I'd rather not do that. Uh, I just, I mean, I like centre-halves to play at centre-half, and but I, don't, I really don't know. I do not know what he's going to do. Uh, yeah, I think he's hoping. I, I agree with you about Kolarov. He's, pl- he's played in there because he can play a pass, uh, but he can play a pass when he's on form. You know, some days he's. That left foot doesn't always work, so. Uh, but I do like defenders to defend as well. So I'd I'm, personally, I I don't think this is what will happen. But personally, I'd have two players that are used to playing in that position. Is there an idea? And Gray, I'll kick it back to you after this question. But I was thinking about this last night as I was falling asleep. You know, happy with the stone signing. But is there a school of thought that you could get on board with? that states City's not yet been able to unload Kolarov and keeping him and playing him, especially at such a bereft, the, the, the back line, I just, it's, it's about as hodgepodge without near the quality of Belgium's, even though half the, the, the line is Belgian. Um, it just feels like to me that if you move Kolarov into that center back position, you mitigate the number of mistakes in theory 
that he can make because he can't get back down on the wings. Are you following my school of thought here? Do you, do you think there's any sense of like, I'm going to take this guy and put him in a, in a position where he can do the least amount of damage? Uh, no, well, there's logic to that, but I don't, I don't think that central defense is a place where you can't do much damage. It's, it's important. I'd say, I mean, fullbacks are important. They have to do a hell of a lot of work up and down that pitch, but I can't see that putting him in central defence really covers up someone's ability to make mistakes. I, say, I, I think he's there, yeah, because of the passing out of defence. And, and you would hope that we do dominate at least the early games in the season so that the defence might not be that big a problem. Because uh, we're not, I mean... Don't want to sit there. They're not going to be easy games, but it could have been a lot worse. To be, we wouldn't want to be coming up against some of the top teams, Chelsea and Arsenal, in the opening weeks. You know, with the situation we've got at the moment in the defence, so maybe he's hoping just to get through it. If I, I think Otamendi's fitness is the wild card here because I think if he's fit, he plays. Yeah. But we don't know. <laughs> there's no real indication of the severity of whatever it is he's dealing with. And I actually do think that he'll just throw stones in there. The point that he has to adapt and learn the tactics is well taken, but he is at least a touch familiar with that style of play coming in. I don't think he has to reinvent the wheel or anything like that. So Are I th- we missing Occam's razor here? Like, the fact that Tossin is the only guy on the squad to have played every single minute of every single preseason game. No, and I think... And now Stones is in. Are we missing the most obvious solution, that it's just going to be Tossin and Stones? I think it may... No, but he didn't play. He didn't start against Arsenal, did he? I don't think. No, he didn't. Okay, I missed that one. Yeah, you're right. Okay, that was... That's that's surprising, because it looked like... I thought your prediction was spot on and he was going all the way to starting. But now that team on Sunday is just throwing all my theories out the window. I wonder if that wasn't just, you know, it's a friendly, it's a last bit of effort. Look, I agree with whoever made the point on, I think it was the Blue Moon Forum. Because Rick was the one who I think originally, that's where this whole thing started and then other people started investigating but if I'm right, I, I thought it was it first appeared on, on Blue Moon Forum with Rick. Is is that correct? What what sorry, what points? The the, the, the stones the stones that he had already signed and, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah, it was, yeah. I think okay. it happened yesterday. It happened yesterday really, didn't it? So. Yeah. I just wanna make sure that I'm getting the right person who broke the story because I uh, hate when when major outlets get credit for work that 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 oh yeah he, uh, he was definitely he definitely mentioned it yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> i don't know who mentioned the point on the forum board but there's somebody who when it was asked if guardiola had played those guys to maybe show to Bagiristein, hey we need you to get the stones deal done Somebody mentioned, like, that's that's nonsense. Like, Guardiola has, you know, basically his run of the club at this point. He doesn't really need to, to pull a tactic like playing two crappy center backs to prove a point. Like, at this point, he should just be able to call up Sheiky and be like, look, dude, I'm not working with material that I would consider, you know, the... the, the 
the best. I need you to get that Stones deal done. I feel like that makes more sense logically than Guardiola playing, you know, doing a bit of gamesmanship to get the front office uh, to no. pull the trigger. Do you agree? No, he won't do that. He's, he's like very close friends with, you know, with Cheeky, isn't he? Uh, oh, you know, sorry, he knows him so well. He's not going to do silly things like pick the wrong players to make a point. I just can't see that at all, to be honest. I'm sure they're well aware of. I'm sure they're well aware of what he wants, and I think the Stones deal has been pretty much close to completion for quite a while, anyway. So that's that's kind of where I came down on it. I just wanted to see if you were in there because I've seen that going around on Twitter a lot, and I just wanted to put our stamp on that conversation, saying that I don't really think there's any need for Pep to play those silly games at this stage. Like Shiki's a former teammate. He's a former mentor. This guy, he could just call him up, man, about yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He'll know exactly what he wants, and if he's not happy with something, he'll tell him. So, uh, yeah, I, no, I, I mean, other managers have done it. That's, I mean, that's why people say it. You'd think, you know, there's been some strange big managers, you know, have done it in the past, and you do wonder are they trying to make a point, but I can't see it in this occasion, not at all now. I remember last year when... um. Chelsea played at City when Mourinho yanked Terry off at halftime. A lot of people thought this was get me stones, ironically. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think so. And Josh, to your point, I'm going to transition real quick to something else. I think that if Otamendi can't go, I would not be surprised if Tosin Adarabayo is the next one up. And let Joe Bailey asked us in one of our listener questions, do you think? he should actually be used this season because he doesn't think he's ready. And that's, you know, a reasonable opinion, but you have been Tosin's champion on this podcast and other podcasts. You did it on the city watch podcast as well. So I'm going to turn this over to you because I think you're going to tell us why Tosin is ready and will play a role this season. Yeah. I just think, and and I'll keep it brief. I, I just think that the kid has shown me and, and the more and more I was reading a chapter in, in Pep Confidential about the things that, that the training regiments that Guardiola plans and that no two are the same and that some days they work on fitness, other days it's injury prevention, other days it's it's games. And you just sort of look at the, 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 the footballing IQ. And I think for me, that cross field pass to start the the, the run of play that ended with Garcia placing that beautiful through ball in for for basically a tap in goal. um, I just think that when you look at the philosophy of what Pep wants, an 18 year old who plays as well as he did over those three games. And it's not to say he didn't make mistakes. He did, but so has Mangala, many of them. So has Otamendi, many of them. I just think that you can't use mistakes as your baseline for, for not playing the kid. I think he only gets better with time, especially with Guardiola. Uh, and and like I said, and, and I'll end it here, I, I just think that cross-field pass to start things off was something that probably had Guardiola's like inner self 
just saying in in Spanish, fuck yeah, you know, just yes. I can just see it because that is a, that's everything he wants. That's his entire philosophy. Roll him to sleep, bang it across the other side of the field, and you have an instant attack. And and Tosin pulled that off just just gorgeously. I think we can agree that his cameo in the Arsenal friendly was probably his worst of the preseason. He looked a little more unsettled, and I don't want to feel like sound like. I'm slating him or anything like that. He's 18. He's going to make mistakes. That's good. He can learn from them. And I'm very happy with his preseason overall. Howard, where do you stand on the Tosin question? Uh, well, yeah, well, I mean, those mistakes, I think those mistakes are more due to implementation of a very new system. And it's Pep, obviously. And we knew this would happen, not just with him, with defenders play out from the back, we don't want it hoofing up the line, you know, and the defence has to be able to play the ball. Players are going to make mistakes. It's going to be a bit hairy for a while. And I think the mistakes came from that. You know, I felt that early in a lot of the the games, say the Dortmund game, a lot of the defenders look nervous, maybe because they know... (laughs) You know, the pressure on them that they can't just, you know, defenders, a lot of defenders have just been trained, get rid of the ball, basically, get it, that's their job. Don't let it go in the goal and get it up the field. Uh, so I, w- I won't worry too much about the mistakes because it's it's Pep Guardiola implementing a new system. Uh, I've not seen a huge amount of him, but so I can't say how big he will be. But Guardiola, obviously, he's, you know, he's singled him out for praise. He's played him a lot. He clearly thinks this is one of these players he can mould. Uh, so yeah, I see no reason why it's, you know, we might not have realised it two months ago, but I can really see he could play a much bigger part this season than, than we first anticipated. Fair enough. And you know, before I forget, I wrote these down and I just stumbled upon them, and there were some points off a podcast that you'd made, and I only wanted to touch on on one, but Asan had wondered what Angelino got out of the loan move into MLS. And I wrote down, I said, I think he got several things, but none of them are, are really the type of things that people usually think about with a loan. Angelino played in, and, and I don't say this to, 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 you know, slate other leagues or anything of the sort, but outside of the Premier League, Angelino played in the most physical league that there is uh, in, in, in the world outside of the Premier League simply because America breeds just brute force human beings who have very little tactical quality and often make very clumsy challenges. And this isn't just my opinion. This is something that Gerard has said, Frank Lampard has said, David Beckham has said coming over. They were not prepared for the physicality of the league. Um, and I, I, I don't think the league's great. That's I'm not one of those huge MLS guys. But I think that when you when you are dealing with physicality on a weekend week out basis like that, it can help you getting ready for the premier league. And uh, the players here, you know, they, they, they may have <clears throat> zero technical qualities, but they're basically built like brick shit houses. And you have to figure that Angelino is a finesse player 
And figuring out how to get around those guys and how to, in a sense, use their big leverage against them is something I think can truly help Angelino uh, in the Premier League. And then the last point that I wanted to make on it is that he will have also put hundreds of miles of travel on his body and and uh, he will have worked out how to play under those conditions, which can be invaluable when you suddenly have to play on a Tuesday in the Champions League. Like I said, I'm making no case for the MLS being a great league compared to the Premier League, La Liga, things like that. But I do think that they have an enormous amount of physicality and the travel is damn near second to none uh, in any league. So I think that could help Angelino. Do you find fault with any of those? No, I mean, not at all. I mean, I, I don't watch the MLS, uh, so I didn't really watch you know his progress. My only concern, and I say it, the defending the quality defending of New York as a whole hasn't been good, has it? I mean, you'll have to help me out here. They've not been the best defensive team. Even now, they're not under the... No, yeah. I, went, they're not. I went and saw them when they played the LA Galaxy and they had Pirlo in there and I was watching Pirlo trying to figure out, like, this guy isn't even moving on defense. Yeah. Like, he's literally not moving. He's just standing there. So, no, like I said, technical quality, not great. Yeah, so my only concern is that obviously you always think you want defenders to go and learn to defend apart from anything. You know, the physical side, that's great. I've no problem with him there. You know, I, I'm sure he'll be fine on that in that respect. Anyway, I'm just I'm just wondering, and maybe it's a question more to you if you've watched more of it, what we've really learned about the, the pure defending side if he's playing in a team, if he's playing with four other poor defenders. Well, there are hella, but there are great attackers in the MLS. Yeah. Like straight out, Giovinco. I thought Conte his. If they play in MLS, they're not worth our time. I, I understand leaving Pirlo off the roster after seeing him play in person. Like I wouldn't have brought him to the Euros either. But leaving Giovinco off, look, I'm not advocating again for the MLS, but I think that guy has shown that the MLS is just too damn easy for him. Like, that guy's a hell of a talent up front. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I, I felt my concern is more, obviously, to, you know, to succeed, it's not just about in the defense. It's if you're a defender, it's to succeed. It's not just about how good you are. As a young player as well, you need help around you. And I'm not. I don't. I was just worried that he's playing in a team that ships goals regularly. I was just concerned about how has it helped him develop as a. It might have helped him develop as a person. It might have helped the physical side, but has it helped him develop as a defender? Not because of his own performances, but because of the lack of cohesion, you know, in the team as a whole. Quality. Let's just be real. Quality. I think at one point it was like two weeks ago. Uh, after their loss to the Red Bulls, NYCFC were still in first place in the East, and they had like a minus eight or a minus seven goal differential. Like, how the hell are you in first place and have like a, a minus ten goal differential? That's just not that doesn't seem right. So, yeah, I think your point is extraordinarily well taken there. So. Kudos there. I just wanted to raise the point of physicality, seeing how that could be a plus 
for him, just some minor things, you know. I don't think the MLS was necessarily the best place for him, but I don't think it was the worst. And I think we have to get used to the idea of City using, you know, clubs like Melbourne City, NYCFC, etc., to to nurture some of their talent. Yeah. I mean, we've thought for quite a while our left-back situation has not been strong. I mean, I like cliche and he's done he's you know, he's he's done okay, especially last you know, the last couple of seasons, but I don't think we've got a world class left back there. But there was always a rumour around the club that we didn't go into the transfer market because we were waiting for Angelino. So I hope it's true because it make it makes some sense in a way, you know, rather than because if we made a big twenty five, thirty million pound signing, gone for one of the best left backs in the world, then it was unlikely he was ever going to break through. So I hope for that reason, you know. He should have opportunities now. While we're yeah. talking about the MLS, let me jump in. Because Joey on Twitter has a question about the MLS. It's not entirely related, but sort of related to what we're talking about. Do City fans in the UK pay any attention to NYCFC? And do they have any opinions on Patrick Vieira as a manager? <laughs> uh, I would say the vast majority. I mean, you can't speak for all fans. and But no, I, I have to say there's very, very little attention paid. Uh, in the scheme of things. Obviously, some people will. I can't speak for everyone. But no, uh, you know, we, we support one club and that's who I follow. So, but I'm not... If it's good for the City group and for developing players, I've no problem uh, with it. But it's not something I really... You know, there's so much football on. You know, I like to watch La Liga and the German League and I really can't <laughs> commit to another league. Uh and I don't know, it's not really captured the imagination, if I'm honest. And even, you know, trying to sign the likes of Lampard or Gerard doesn't really change anything, you know, because it's players at the end of their careers. As for Vieira, I mean, there was a lot of... There is a thought that he's being groomed to be our next manager. So, uh, you know, it's good opportunity for him to learn learn the ropes. He did the youth team, now he's got a proper managerial uh, but of course, it's very different. You know, it's very different to the English league. So, uh, again, you'll know better. I'm not sure. I'm not quite convinced that he could go straight from there and manage yeah, a team like City. I think you'd have to I go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, I agree I, with you. I am with you. Um, and I don't think you know the point of NYCFC was not to appeal to the UK audience. It's no. for many other reasons, but that is not I, one of them. I've long held this, and and I think I said something on the City Watch podcast, but I wrote an article about this about a year ago, just for uh, fan sided's Man City Square. <clears throat> And I said, you know, you talk about global clubs and and there's the nebulous concept that Real, Barca and certainly Man United have where they think of themselves as global clubs. And if you think about in terms of popularity and merchandising, then to a degree, yes, you're right. They are definitely a global club. But when you think about what goes into building a global infrastructure, Not a single one of those clubs are anything close to a global club. As of right now, though, City have a team in Europe. They have a team in North America. They have a team in Australia. They have a team in Asia. They have a massive TV deal in China. 
I have a strong feeling, and I've said this for a long time, and I think it's the reason that that City handled Pellegrini's thing uh, the way they did, is I think South America is next on their radar, and I think Pellegrini is going to be used as an ambassador. Uh, I know he still wants to manage, but at the end of that run, I truly believe that City fully intend to offer, do their scouting, and offer him a position overseeing the next stage of this club's progression, which is getting talent set up in either Brazil or one of the Argentinian leagues. So that way, if you're Manchester City, you don't have to rely on just a network of 3,000 scouts. You legitimately have teams in that area who know, see, and share the information that we know goes around from the clubs and their network. There's that great article some odd uh, years back about how cities share their information among the scouting networks. I thought that that was really just what is going to be the foundation for City going global. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I've no problem we have, this is the modern world, isn't it? This is football where a lot of people hate it, but this is the way it's this is the way it is. Uh, so I don't mind City doing this, but all I'm concerned about is the City team at the end of the day. Uh, but what they want to do, obviously, we have to raise it. It's just the way football is, isn't it? It's not it's all get nostalgic about how great it used to be, but there was different problems then. Uh, and yeah, it, they are. It's quite clear they want to be global. They want to be, I mean, bigger than everyone else. And people laugh at that, you know. United fans might laugh at that, or Barcelona fans, but you know, eventually, there's no reason why it can't happen. Look at the gap they've turned around. With they went from a club, I mean, dangerously close to administration of some kind, to being completely out of debt and one of the most, one of the richest clubs in the entire world. Like the gap that they closed on Manchester City in five short years is ridiculous and now city are going to start pulling in the chinese money yeah and people think i mean are you you might not see that you know obviously you still get barbs on social media on twitter you know about we uh disregarding financial fair play again people don't seem to realize that our revenue now we're pretty much we're self-sufficient now we can spend 100 million i mean especially with the new tv deal that's coming in england we can spend 100 million every, you know, of our own money. It's not, we're not sponging, we're not spending money from oil sales or off our owners. Our owners could sell the club tomorrow and make two billion pounds. This is, this is a huge, huge enterprise now, which is self-sufficient, making hundreds of millions of pounds every year. Uh, and we don't even need the owners. You know, it, the expansion has been absolutely staggering. You might think eight years. Yeah, it's been eight years since takeover now. You might think that's a long time, but what has actually occurred in that time is quite staggering. Yeah, it's nothing short of... And this is what factored into my decision, truly, to become a City fan. Gray and I have made no bones that we're post-takeover, but my my interest in City was not superficial. I did my research before I committed my heart to the club, and seeing the business plan that they had and the way that they were carrying it out. And just, I still think that even with Mansoor, the focus will always be city. I think that's the prize. 
But every one of these other mechanisms is meant to generate ridiculous amounts of funds that they can dump into turning City into one of the largest clubs in America. And like you said, Man, Man United fans may uh, may scoff at the idea, but numerically speaking, City are going to surpass them, and it isn't going to be much longer before they're pulling in a lot more money than United, and it won't even be close. I'm not convinced, because they are such a cash cow. It's ridiculous. Uh, but we'll still, yeah, we'll be in the top We'll be in the top three, certainly, and must be able to spend. And, you know, I don't know. They, they make so much money, it's ridiculous. They can spend $300 million on bad players. And, you know, I'm not taking a high moral standpoint. You know, we've wasted enough money ourselves. Uh, but they can spend $200 million, get it wrong, and then just go and spend another $200 million. So I'll, I'll, I'm a bit sceptical to overtake United, but, we're, we're, I mean, we've closed the gap, 90% of the gap, haven't we? So the problem is they'll keep growing as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna... no, they, they won't and, do Paul, and, and this Pogba deal ain't gonna hurt them. Let's let's no, let's be they won't, honest. They won't, do, they won't do it the same way. You know, we've doing it by building a network around the world. They'll, you know, we know how they do it. They've just got fans everywhere and noodle uh, and sponsorship deals. But yeah, uh, we don't have to overtake them. I mean, I say the growth of the club, it's going. You know, and the academy is it's just amazing. So. The future's bright enough, whatever happens. I'm going to push forward a bit because we still have to get to the Sunderland game, which we need to talk about. But um, on the, on that topic, Sean Kramer asked us, and I meant to do this at the beginning of the show, but I'm a scatterbrained idiot sometimes, and today is one of those days. Sean Kramer asked us, when are you going to have guests from different MCFC chapters of American chapters of City fans? Well, Sean, stay tuned for the end of the show. We're going to have some information on that. So you're going to want to stay tuned. Um, moving on, since we were talking about mistakes, speaking of mistakes, what are we going to do with the goalkeeper position? Should City feel any sort of increased urgency based on not just the Arsenal friendly, although it was definitely an issue, but Caballero never looked comfortable distributing. Hart only got 45 minutes and we couldn't really glean anything from that. Um, and while we're on that topic, Charlie Sport on Twitter asked, who starts in goal on Saturday? I personally think it's hard, and I don't think... I tend to disagree. We can't glean anything from that. One of those goals, while not entirely on Hart, Hart played a role in it. He needed to smother that ball. World-class keepers smother that ball, and and he bounced it right back into the path of, of... of a ready and willing Arsenal player. So I, I, I mean, well, my, my point is more, we can't glean how well he's doing on the distribution. If he's picked anything up, anything like that, based on a 40, fair, fair point, based, okay. based on a 45 minute cameo. That's my only point. He did make a mistake. Um, so I think they have with stones, they have gotten, gotten someone who can play the Guardiola way in the back four. And with Gundogan, they have gotten someone who can do it in the midfield, but they don't have a goalkeeper who can do it. And when he walked into Barcelona, he inherited Valdez, who could do it. When he walked into Bayern Munich, he inherited Neuer, who could do it. There's no such thing here. What on, is, is this going to be a problem? I mean, what are they going to do with the goalkeeper position? Because I do think it will be hard on Saturday yeah, for the foreseeable hard, future. Yeah. 
but yeah. we don't know how good that's going to turn out and we don't know if he has the attributes to pull it off and it's hard to teach a goalkeeper of that age to rethink the game yeah i mean i can't see him learning how to distribute the ball at his age because i'm sure it's something to train for anyway and he's just not the best at it so i would say in pre-season even the pitch on sunday looked a bit weird they played on some terrible pitches so i mean and I think that has contributed to the odd misplaced pass. I did feel a bit sorry for Caballero because the way the ball was reacting was strange. Uh, and the one thing that the money in Premier League has given us is very high-quality pitches week in, week out. Uh, I, I just think it's a bit too... I mean, Guardiola had enough on his plate when he came in. I mean, people thought he was a coward for coming in because he was taking over the best squad. He's had plenty of issues to deal with here. And I don't think, I'm not sure, Hart might not have a long-term, I mean, I'm guessing it could be proven wrong within two days, but uh, he is a problem, but I don't think he's got the time or to really deal with it now. I mean, you know, they want, what, 60 million for, for Stegen, I just can't see. Obviously, we're not going to pay that, are we? Uh, there's been lots of rumours all over the summer about getting a keeper. I don't think... I think it's true he's not in his long-term plans, but I'm not sure if this is the transfer window. He might just have to deal with it for a bit longer. I <clears throat> I always suspect, as a guess, that it could be something that's dealt with next summer. Uh, and obviously, it's not all about defenders have a role, don't they? Yeah, you, know, you saw it in the game on Sunday. They're all dropping back to the sides of the penalty area to give an option for the keeper. So it's up to players to find space and make, you know, and give him an easy option, basically. It's not all down to the keeper having to rake 50-yard balls, you know, straight onto someone's chest. But I can't see him becoming a world-class distributor just from training. So it is a problem, but I'm not sure this is the transfer window where it'll be dealt with. So I think the only name that comes to mind is... Because um, Barca have two keepers that want to start, and apparently they're haggling a bit well start one of us or start none of us so i think bravo is the only at this late juncture and i don't think it's likely i do think that this is what we're going to end up going with yeah so um josh i don't know if you have any thoughts on the goalkeeper situation a sarcastic comment at best where i say who knows maybe we activate geronimo ruley's buyout clause <laughs> Don't we have to wait until December? I don't know. So I, can't, I can't really remember, and it probably wouldn't work. And, and that's why I just said it's it's more of a flipping comment than an actual suggestion. But I, God's honest, I'm so tired of hearing goalkeeper names. I, I just, like, get on with it, dump hard. Because there's a certain point where, and I've been Joe Hart's biggest not fan uh, and I, much to the chagrin of City fans, but I maintain that I do not think Hart is a world-class keeper, and I would fight anyone to the death in a debate about this fact. I don't, I don't see any bit of what I see in Neuer, in uh, Gigi Buffon, and, and so on and so forth with with Hart. Uh, that said, up close. It's incredible how Hart can make himself big and stonewall people like Messi. But 
let that guy get a little bit of distance between, you know, Joe Hart and his shot, and it just seems like he can't stop a damn thing. Uh, doesn't matter who shoots it, doesn't matter how awkward, doesn't matter if they just turned, ripped, and fired. I mean, Joe Hart just... And the funny thing is, is, like, Angus Gunn was having the same problem with it, too. Uh, but at least Angus Gunn made up for it in his uh, penalty-saving heroics. I, Angus Gunn, to me, looks like a legit penalty. That that would be a penalty-kick specialist that I would bring on uh, down the line. But uh, I, I just I think there's a point to this that it becomes unfair to heart as it continues to get dragged on. If we get close to the season and, and we're not going to get a goal – uh, keeper city aren't gonna buy a goalkeeper it would be nice to have peb come out there and and just lob a comment like he has with, with some of the players and saying that i think joe hart uh it, it not only can get the job done for us but that he's gonna do an excellent job of leaving city just give joe hart the confidence before the season starts because i think if he starts the season thinking his job is gone the first chance he uh, gets or the first time he makes a mistake uh, I, I don't know how good that is for City in the long term No I agree just uh, if, if he's not signing someone else he's not kicking him out he's got to say so now uh, at the end of the day I mean I've been up and down with Hart over the years I thought he wasn't good to any other brilliant season I do feel sorry for it Apart from his ability, he gets stick for ridiculous things, being called cocky and arrogant, and I just don't see that at all. It's a goalkeeper. You have to have a, a special character and personality to be a goalkeeper anyway. Uh, and he's had stick for stuff that's really not his fault, but he has his faults. He's a bit he's a bit weak down to his left. He had long-range long shots. I don't think he's quite world-class, but he's had golden gloves. You know, He's kept the most clean sheets for, I think, three times. In the last four years, he's only just missed out last season. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, you know, and in Europe, he's been at times absolutely magnificent. I mean, he seems to just grow in Europe. Uh, I don't think it's, it's not a disaster. We don't, you know, it's not like something that needs, has to deal with. We can, whatever your thoughts of him, it's not something that has to be dealt with right now. He's more than good enough to, you know, we won stuff. A competent defense in front of him and Joe Hart, like, you know, maybe yeah. if Mangala closes down exactly. that defender and doesn't let him rip it, we're not in this situation having this discussion. Exactly. It's not all about a goalkeeper. It's what's in front of him and he's not been protected a lot of the time. So, you know, and still he gets as many clean sheets as anyone else. So, and I know it's a team game, so he can't, on that one statistic, you can't say, well, he must be brilliant. Uh, but it does count for something. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, I I think he's a great goalkeeper. He's not the best in the world. But not every team can have the best goalkeeper in the world. So how many are there? Uh, apparently, there are five. There's Gigi Buffon. There's Thibaut Courtois. There's David De Gea, who hadn't even actually played in a uh, international competition until this spring. But I've been keeping a list of of the he's the best goalkeeper in the world, and and we're at about five. So and Joe Courtois. Hart's name's never been mentioned. Yeah, Courtois had a really dodgy spell, I think. Oh I yeah, De Gea. I mean, De Gea does make mistakes, but obviously because he saves so many shots, it's kind of ignored. 
I mean, he's a great keeper, don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying that because he's United. And Neuer had a really wobbly spell. Uh, but, I mean, he's obviously world-class, so I'm not trying to denigrate Neuer either. But he had a dodgy spell for a few weeks uh, last year. You know, for You know, keepers go... All, every keeper goes through a spell like that. Mm-hmm. But maybe the problem with Hart is it's not spells, it's more just general ability. He's very good, but I'm not convinced either he's at the top of... But it's just, you can't just go and get a world-class keeper. It's not that easy. It's such a specialist position, after all. And what the people who have them do not want to let them go, either. Really quick, I know, Gray, you got a point to make. I just wanted to make a comment on on the arrogance. I feel, um, and Gray, I hope you'll agree with me on this matter, but I feel Americans know a little something about arrogance. I feel like we're experts on this topic. (laughs) Who, us? Yes, um, and and having covered American professional athletes and American collegiate athletes who, for schools, may as well be professional, um, I I can tell you with absolute certainty, as a professional credentialed journalist, Joe Hart is not arrogant. That's just my final verdict on it. Absolute one hundred percent certainty, Joe Hart is not arrogant. I, I just you. don't know where it's come from that anyway, and and what if he was? It's not. I mean, it's it's just something in the UK and Britain. It's you know being arrogant or cocky. Ronaldo, man, like really looks down on. That there's arrogance in greats. I, Ronaldo's arrogant, but if you don't have that arrogance, you don't become great. I mean, look at Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech. Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech included, just to remind people how great he was, he took like five minutes out of his Hall of Fame speech. Oh, and by the way, he said he didn't give two dams that he was going to go over the limit. Like, he got that out of the way real quick. Uh, Let the NBA know who was in charge that night. But in his own speech... He flat out took time out of his day to talk crap about, like, I don't know how many people, Gray, like five or six, just to belittle them one more time. Like, that's arrogant. But right. he 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 was good. Mm-hmm. My last point on Hart, he'll be fine for a season. I don't know that he's the long-term solution, but I don't think. We're not talking about a situation where we're, like, have Kolarov's first choice two weeks from the season with no apparent replacement coming in. It's not like that. He'll be fine. I but I don't I don't think he's ultimately the long term solution that Pep will be looking for. No, I agree with all of that, yeah. So season away, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would think so. So let's 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 talk a little bit about the Sunderland game and the season as a whole, because we have question on each of those before we let Howard go at least. So what the with the team as it is right now, you know, who do we see playing? And I know Sunderland just in getting a new manager in place less than a month ago. Um, I think City will win. Personally, I would I, that would be my prediction. Two uh, nil, I would say, if we're going to play the prediction game. But how do we see the match unfolding? And what are we looking forward to seeing in particular from? an actual meaningful game that this is going to be taken seriously now. What are we, what are we looking for? Uh, well, just loads of goals would be nice. <laughs> aside from, <laughs> aside from three points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want to see that. I don't like using the word philosophy really, but you, you know, 
I, I think even whoever the manager would be, we'd have dominated possession. And I want to see... I mean, what I think my... The thing I've hated in previous years, I've not seen, you know, work rate. I think players do always try, but I want work rate, uh, pressure. I want the pressure of the ball that's always undone us, you know, when the opposition teams of like Liverpool or Southampton have, have really got, you know, got to us by pressuring on the ball. I want to see when we don't have the ball, the real, you know, his philosophy of trying to get it back within a few seconds. Uh, and I'm just looking for high tempo, high pressure football. Uh, that would be a great start, and we yeah we should win. Uh, they're not a great side, but they can defend and they can be a stubborn team. And they've got a stubborn manager now, so uh, yeah, I think we'll dominate the ball, but it could get frustrating if we don't get an early goal. So I think personally, it's an ideal first game actually because they'll it's have the now. no. I think they have the chance to sort of play the way he wants them to play, but you know, find let's let's see how good we are because this is going to be a thing. They're going to have a lot of games, particularly at home, where they're going to have a lot of the ball, but they're going to have to find a way to break them down. So I think it's good that you get one out of the way. This is how it's going to be, and it's a good game to sort of hone how we're going to deal with that all season yeah. long. And we've not been very good at dealing no, with teams right in no, the past at all. So, at all. so I, think it's, I think it's a good game to have first. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, yeah and, and I... Uh, I think it just, for me, it comes down to the fact that they're a team in transition. That's that's kind of optimal, right? When you're a team in transition, you're, you're kind of, you're both experimenting, you're both figuring it out. So there will be mistakes on both sides, and, and it'll just kind of be which team makes the mistake that isn't immediately followed up by the opposing team making a mistake and giving the ball right back. Because City have done that a couple times in in the learning curve of of, of Pep Ball. There's, I forget who laid the pass, but he turned around and passed it straight to the uh, opposing team. But it didn't matter because the opposing, I think it was Dortmund, the opposing team turned right back around and played it back to City. So it was uh, it was mistake upon mistake. But uh, yeah, that's about it. They're a team in transition, so I think that's optimal. Yeah, the only thing I would say is uh, David Moyes following on from Sam Allardyce. There won't be much of a transition, to be honest. I think you can uh, pretty much carry on the same sort of tactics and uh, set up as normal. So uh, I, I just hope we uh, our transition isn't harder than theirs, basically. So. Yeah, I, I I agree with that point. That that's that's really well taken on the tactics part, and I always keep leaving that out with Moyes. But I just or Moyes, um, I just think it's it's one of those things where uh, Moyes is just going to have to get Sunderland to buy in. Sam Cat or Big Sam is such a larger than life character. It almost reminds me of Big Cat Leonard Williams. That's where the mix up came from. Um, he's just such a dominant vote. He's like the less crappy version of Rex Ryan, right? Uh, uh, Gray, would you say that's fair? A bit less mouthy. I yeah, would and likable, and likable. Uh, uh, not what, from my side, no. <laughs> with, with the, no. Fair enough, 
Fair enough. I, well, I think it's. I don't think he likes feet as much either. Yeah, he may not have a foot fetish like like uh, Rex Ryan <laughs> does, but that's that's neither here nor there. I don't. I don't think I want to know. The one thing I did did know about Sam is all I needed to know about him from a person perspective was that in his autobiography, I did think it was something special that he had an entire chapter written by his wife from her perspective. I think it says a lot of, I think it does say a lot about a man who's, who wants to give his wife a platform to say, Hey, what do you, what do you think of me? What would you tell the world? You know, um, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm not in England, so I don't know what the, the, the love-hate there with, is with him. You'd have to explain it to me, but I'm guessing it has to do with the fact that he's not had a tremendous resume. Is is that where some of it's born out of? Uh, I think. No, it's more he's got a higher opinion of himself than the reality. I'm not actually against him being the England manager because we've tried everything. And he is Rex Ryan. Then that uh, is. Yeah, well, there's been other things. There's the old, there's a group of old school English managers like him and Harry Redknapp who, are, me personally, I'm not speaking for English people, I kind of, I despise especially Harry Redknapp because the nothing that is ever their fault. They feel hard done by. They didn't get the jobs they deserve. Foreign managers and players are ruining everything. They also and I can't say for legal reasons, more dubious practices with agents and transfer fees in a couple of books that really, uh, <laughs> really uh, lower my opinion of them. Uh, and BBC's Panorama programme did, you know, they did a programme on this. Uh, there's been all sorts of things. I just, the, the old school and, you know, football's moved on a bit. He, I do have some respect for him. He, he does make teams hard, but you know, he was one of the first to use sports science and in the Premier League. He's not a dinosaur, a bigger dinosaur as a lot of the other managers that swing around the leagues. It's just the way they act sometimes. They do look as though they're hard done by. Uh, you know, and I say, just give him the England manager's job and let's see what he can do because we've tried everything else and he's always already wanted it. So maybe he'll, maybe I'll start to love him within the next couple of years. So. My last thought on Sunderland before we have two more questions after this we can get through quickly. But um, my last thought on the Sunderland game, I think based on what we've seen in preseason and how, how this is working out, I think we can agree that they're going to be pretty good going forward from day one. Um, it's the defensive frailties and the fear of how the midfield is going to be, I think, early on that's going to be the real work in progress. And I think this is a game where they're probably not going to get it uh, at the uh, the back four much. They're not going to have a lot of attacks, probably. I'm so, worried about the size too. Does that bother anyone? Because <clears throat> you look. You mean at, the the size of the squad or the yeah, size okay. of the players? Well, <laughs> both in a sense. Like you look at Raheem Sterling is one of the most fouled guys, and 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 he's got that Hazard thing where the thing to do with the diminutive players is to just take out their legs. Um, same thing with, with David Silva and then David Silva just sits on the ground with his arms in the air, making the touchdown sign. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne has got some physicality to him, but I don't think there was a whole, whole lot to the tug by the Everton defender that eventually 
took him out of play, I, probably for the player of the year, too, at that point. Um, I feel like there's just a lot of Nolito's a small guy, Aguero's a small, he's really physical, so that's kind of awesome. But there's a lot of smaller characters going forward for City who have an oft-injured track record. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, the, our injury record for years has been terrible now. So, and to be honest, Guardiola's wasn't the best, was it? At Bayern Munich, I'm worried about fitness and injuries. Yeah, and he got rid of uh, Muller Wolfhart too. You know, like he got had a row with one of the most famous doctors in the entire world, and basically uh, caused great disruption in the Bayern internal structure when when he sent him on his way. But I. I actually think Guardiola was in the right. He wanted a doctor who was around at the practices instead of, you know, hey, come to me. No, dude. Like, when a guy's injured on the pitch, that's kind of the point of having a team doctor there. Like, that kind of crap would not fly here in America. So, you know, you have your team doctor on the pitch. But hopefully, hopefully some of that stuff wasn't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to think of Guardiola's injury record. Maybe you can shed some light on that, or. Nah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I mean, you don't know if it's him. I mean, obviously intense training, but if a man is so passionate and puts so much research in, I can't see him deliberately, you know, putting in a regime that would put the players at risk. But I guess time will tell, won't they? But we, yeah, we've already got. Obviously, it's not a fault for companies' record. Yeah, we've got players who are already in the situation of having a bad track record with injuries. So we'll just have to wait and see. At the moment, there's plenty of cover. Uh, yep. I still think maybe not a strike. There's plenty of cover at the beginning not, not of last season. In, in certain areas, anyway. Uh, maybe I still could be a central midfielder short, maybe a striker short, but uh, it's a bloated squad, so... Uh, we'll just have to see how it pans out. So yeah, he's yeah. got he's got to realise. Obviously, the English league is there's no winter break. It's quite ferocious. So I just hope. I hope. I mean, one of Pellegrini's faults was he put a first team in for the League Cup, and you know most of the cup was before Christmas. So you think that's not a problem, but it does when there's no break in the season. Come March, that's going to be affecting them because no one's getting a break. So I hope he does. This is a chance for him to use youth, basically. So I hope he rotates for the lesser games and works out that you can't play your first team every week. So Yeah. All right. Jerry on Twitter wants to know, who do we think will be this year's breakout player for City? And I guess you can define that however you like. Maybe a player who's not really considered among the star ranks or a regular who might really push his way into the forefront of the squad. I don't know. I'll leave the definition up to you, but uh, what do you think, Howard? Is there a player that stands out to you that might surprise us? Uh, we've kind of seen most of them, haven't we, the ones? I think uh, I think Garcia might, you know, if he gets some game time, he's such a, it's Alex's first name, isn't it? Uh, I think he's, I mean, we've, we've mentioned a lot of the other youth players, so I could, you know, Angelino, I think could get some time, but it's quite cluttered down that side. I mean, if we don't get rid of one of the other left-backs, I think Garcia might get some time, uh, you know, in the cup at first, but he's a really skilled, you know, he looks a really exciting player to me, so I, I would like yeah. to see him. I completely agree with you on that one. 
Josh, what do you think? Hmm. Um, I, 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 I got to stick with my guy, right? I feel you like can just, <laughs> you can just say Tosin at this point. Yeah. Right? I, well, I was, I was, I was legitimately entertaining the idea of coming up with somebody else just to, you know, you, you kind of spice tied yourself. It. Yeah, I'm pot committed. I'm pot committed. I got, I got to stick with Tosin. I'm gonna say with Tosin. You can't go away from that now. You've basically no. tied yourself to that, to that mask. Yeah. So, so you, 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 you have to. You make a fair point there, Gray. I, I am, as they say in poker, pot committed. I got to see it through. And if he has a bad season, well, I'm I'm going to get a lot of stick. All right. So last last question for Howard, and then we can let you go. Um, and this was actually one that I had on the sheet before this was even asked by Joey on Twitter again. So thank you, Joey. Great minds think alike. Um. What would constitute in Pep Guardiola's first year with the squad he has, and I think we all accept that this is going to be a transitional thing, a transitional season, what would qualify, looking back at the end of the season, a success for the club? Uh, well, at first, I would just say very quickly, I don't think a lot of our fans would accept it as a transitional season. I don't either, to be fair, but I think... That... I think they expect us to win everything. Uh, and partly of that is because we've had two poor seasons, and it's kind of... If we'd won everything for three seasons, I think we could accept that. We've got, you know, a, a change in the guard and, you know, there'd be changes. I'll be, I'll be honest, I think it always comes down to the league for me. Uh, so a success is if we win the league. Whatever happens anywhere else, if we win the league, it's been a great season. And if we don't, I wouldn't say it's a failure, but it's a disappointment. And only winning the Champions League as an alternative would make it still a success. Uh so I, you've got to be looking at winning the league every season. I'm not saying we have a right to or that we should, but that's how I would judge a season as a success. It's that or the Champions League, but the league's easier, so <laughs> I'll go for that. Josh, go ahead on the success question. Quick follow-up to his, though. The Champions League, as we all know, requires a, a lot of luck. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, you ultimately have to play well, but, I, I mean, there's no way that Juve could have predicted, you know, Paul Pogba coming up lame against Monaco and, and losing him. Um, I, 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 I Just some things end up going wrong over the course of the Champions League uh, campaign. So, in the event that maybe the breaks don't go City's way, but they reach another semifinal... Uh, or even perhaps a final and and lose a close, but but let's just say a not Pellegrini like performance against Real Madrid, you know, an actual game. Um, how how would you come down on that if they were to say finish second? and maybe haul in a final and, and, and another piece of silverware, let's just say a repeat of the Capital One Cup or something. Uh, how would you, would you still consider it a success or does it have to outright be the big years? I would say it falls, I would say that season will be fine. I wouldn't say, oh, that was a failure. Uh, I won't be disappointed, but I wouldn't quite call it a success now. I think you have to win a big trophy. But, uh, but, you know, outright success, yeah. I think you have to win one of the big two. Maybe an FA Cup 
FA Cup. I mean, there's fine lines. And my, my perception of the FA Cup is so much more altered than your guys because, you know, you talk to American fans and it's not that they don't <clears throat> care. This is our perception based on conversations that we have with fans across the pond about our respective teams. And my, my general sense, no matter who I'm talking to, has been that the FA Cup doesn't matter unless it does. In which case, it's most often it matters when you win. Uh, or you're a small team who reaches the final, like Aston Villa <clears throat> were a couple years ago with Tim Sherwood. And it was certainly a feel-good story. Uh, what, where is the balance on the FA Cup? Because there does seem to be some pushback, even from managers. Like I, I, City took a lot of guff last year for for playing that that lineup against Chelsea. A lot. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, but that was that was quite a unique situation, and you know. Because of the what the games that was coming up, and he's, I think he was trying to make a protest statement once here about not moving the game. I, I still, for me, the FA Cup's still a big thing. It always has been. You know, I remember watching it as a child. Everyone watched it then. Obviously, times have changed now. Uh, it's it's third in the list of priorities, but it's a winnable trophy. It's a brilliant day out. It still means something. I think it means more to the fans than it does some managers. Obviously. Basically, if you're if you're Sam Allardyce and Sunderland are struck, your job is to keep Sunderland up. Then you, the FA Cup's not important to you because so you rest players because your job depends on keeping uh, the team in the Premier League. Uh, so a lot of players don't seem to take it that seriously. Uh, the managers don't, but I think for a lot of fans, it's still a big thing. It's taken a batter in the last ten. You know, it's been messed about. They've changed the time of the kickoff, and that's that's what's basically what the FA have done by, and I'm not blaming United for this, by not allowing United to miss it one year to go to some pointless competition in you know in America, South America, wherever, and changing times and all of the rule changes. They really have damaged the brand, but for me, uh, it's still a big thing because, you know, it's the oldest cup competition and it, and it means a lot. Uh, so for me, you know, I always, I'll always be devastated well, maybe they've stayed a bit strong. All really disappointed at the point that you go out of the FA Cup every season, even when we were rubbish. <laughs> uh, and I knew it was going to happen at some point. It really meant a lot to go out of the Cup. So, it, it, no, I, it's still important to me. So, Fair enough. Um, well, for me, I don't know. Maybe I'm taking the middle ground of, of Howard and what I suspect you're going to say, Gray, because I think you and I do look at this as a period of transition. Um, and I think that I look at it like that because I've been around to see college football. You know, we're so used to seeing rebuilding and it's not really rebuilding so much as it tends to be reloading. With big clubs, that's the common phrase we toss around with, with college American football. And uh, even if you don't want to admit it, in a year where you got a new coach, you're starting a new quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, there's an element of, 
we've got to call a spade a spade, and there's some rebuilding going on. The back line, I mean, like we discussed earlier in the podcast, I don't think anybody in their right mind would have just ever thought to put Kolarov at center back, yet here we are, Kolarov's playing center back, and Jesus Navas is playing a right wing back. So there's... I, I think that there is going to be a learning curve, but the thing with Pep Guardiola that makes fans say it's not a, a, a learning curve is that you look at how quickly teams tend to catch on eventually to what he's doing, and then the beatdowns start. So I think fans are assuming that everything is going to go to plan for Guardiola because it typically does. Um, I do think that Guardiola will hit some bumps in the road. I don't think, as you brought up, every uh, uh, every hole was necessarily addressed. I still think there are some glaring deficiencies on the roster. And uh, at the end of the day, I feel like City, if they push in all four competitions, I'd like to see two trophies. Whatever those two trophies are, However City want to hack that out, you know, whether it's like you said, an FA Cup and, 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 and the League Cup or an FA Cup and the Champions League trophy, I don't necessarily give a damn about the Capital One Cup, so that would have to come alongside either a, uh, a Champions League or a Premier League trophy, but uh, I think as long as City can... can rake in a haul of 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 two trophies and or put together some amazing finals performances that come up just short the breaks aren't there then uh i'll be happy with the season but you know if if city are, are floundering around trying to finish in fourth again at the end of this season i'm gonna be slightly disappointed yeah me too yeah we should be top we should be top well, top three, absolute minimum, uh, but top two should be minimum uh, where we should be aiming, yeah. It's a bit funny because I think at the start of last season, if you say, well, they're going to win a domestic trophy, albeit the least important one, and go to a Champions League semifinal, you think, wow. But I think we can all agree that by no means could last season be defined as a, a success by virtue of the fact that they barely made I would have, I would have rather have not seen the semifinal. I would have yeah. rather... I would have rather have been knocked out by PSG than to know that Manchester City were seriously maybe an extra 10 minutes away of effort from punching in one one in goal was all they need. One goal. Well, we don't have to do this. (laughs) (laughs) I Um, just, you know, wanted to get that out there. Yeah, that wasn't a success. That's fine. Um... I would, I think either the league or the Champions League. I think the league is winnable, and I think that there there will be a f- several weeks, maybe into months of you know tweaking and fine tuning where they're not going to be perfect, but I, they're going to get there eventually. And I think the league is plenty winnable this year. Um, so I'm with Howard. If you know, you always want to win the league, and even at Bayern Munich, Guardiola said the league comes first, and I think that the same thing will happen here. So I think that will be the primary, as well as the Champions League, that will be where the uh, efforts are focused. And I think if they can win one of them, 
then it's an unqualified success. Um, they have top, to finish ahead of United simply because of the Pogba deal. Well, they have to finish ahead of United because... No, I know, I know. <laughs> but, but especially, there's some years where your rival just goes out and does something. And even though City will largely be fine, like, let me just posit a situation to you, Howard. How would the British media react if Guardiola mustered a weak draw and then a loss by, like, a two-goal loss to United when they went to Old Trafford on the season uh, uh, and they finished <clears throat> below United, but but let's say top two, like United finished first and City finished second, and it still came down to the last day. Like, how badly would Pep Guardiola get roasted in the British media at that point because he is Spanish? Uh, it's hard. It's hard to say the media would react as one because we have quite a wide variety of media. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's well taken. So some, so some broadsheet ones would be, uh, I don't want to say all the good ones are broadsheet, you know, like Times Independent. Uh, if it went that, I, I would hope, but if it went down to the wire, people would just appreciate a great season and a great finish. Uh, I don't think you'd be, it's very hard to say how it would be dealt with generally by the press. I don't think him being Spanish is that big a problem. There's still a love in for Mourinho because he makes easy copy for journalists. He makes their job very easy. Uh, so how despicable a person he is seems to be irrelevant because basically they've always got something to write about. Uh, and Guardiola might not give them that, so they may turn against him like they did against Pellegrini because Pellegrini never said anything to them. So, But I would hope if it went down to the wire, they would just... And it's how it should be. If it goes down to the wire, they should just appreciate a great end to a season. I appreciate great football and great entertainment. But it may, I'm not sure how the press will go with Guardiola. Uh, I think they've been okay so far, so we'll just have to wait and see. You think they've been okay? Because, I mean... I'm judging it at a very low bar, so... Okay, fair enough. Because <laughs> I look at some of the things, like, and I know that some outlets are... But, I mean, you had Craig Burley on ESPN FC. He's like this so-called great coach, and he's doing this so-called thing in air quotes, and I'm just sitting there thinking, really, Burley? No, like, I don't. I wasn't rating him as media, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah pe people like him and Danny Mills seem to hate our club, so I'm not sure it's an anti-Guardiola thing. He just seems to come out with drivel against the club a lot of the time, so... There's not a lot you can do about that. So, yeah, I was just thinking more newspapers. But, I mean, yeah, he was, he was... he was. A lot of people said he was a coward for coming to City, that it was the easy option. It's astonishing. You just would not get that. Mourinho, why is Mourinho not a coward? They said he should have gone... You know, that there was actually journalists, paid football journalists, saying that he should have gone to Aston Villa to really test himself, that he's always had it easy. And yet no one, no one would ever say that about Mourinho or a United manager. But you just get used to it after a while, I'm afraid. I mean, a Sun, a Sun journalist, and we should expect no better, said that today. Said he should go and he should go and manage Rochdale rather than spending a billion pounds every or a hundred million pounds every summer. 
I mean, it's just the ignorance of how can I, of, his, can I, of his career anyway. It's just staggering. But I mean, where do you start with a comment like that? So can I can I just give a shout out here, really quickly to Jurgen Klopp before the season starts? Yeah. When the when the, when the all's fair play, like American citizens, Jurgen would like to thank you, especially the two on this podcast for telling the Rupert Murdoch-owned son uh, where they could go and stick it and why in a press conference. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, bravo, Jurgen Klopp. Bravo. You are the American citizen's blue of the week. <laughs> I mean, Congratulations. <laughs> I think he didn't go far enough, to be honest, but... No, he I mean, really didn't. I was kind of hoping he was going to push it further. Like, I was hoping the Sun journalist was going to go like Jamie Jackson, and, and then, you know, it would be like the Guardiola situation where he's like, no, no, look at me when I'm talking to you. Your newspaper is crap. You know, like, that's what I was hoping for. Didn't get it. Yeah. And there's always a thing that if you're a bad journalist, then they'll just write more rubbish about you. But it's got to the point where I just don't see why a lot of these journalists or news, specific newspapers, not all journalists, obviously, are allowed allowed into our club so willingly and treated so well when they repeatedly write such huge amounts of rubbish about us. A lot of it's clickbait, obviously. Uh, I just don't understand why they're still, you know, welcome to the club because they couldn't write much worse, to be honest, so... You USC fans, and I know you don't know what that necessarily means, but the, the, the University of Southern California Trojans, who have a very uh, prestigious college American football team, there is a writer who's actually wished that I had been run over by a player uh, in a tweet during a game, like tweeted, because a player caught a pass and then jumped over the the barriers that they usually have over the playing field because he was going so fast and I was filming it. I just kind of stepped aside and just let him run right past me, and he had tweeted, oh, if only only Bryce Dixon had taken out one or two people on the way in, that would have been glorious. Uh, But anyhow, uh, yeah, the dude has no business being credentialed by USC and often writes frankly false stories and has been called out and corrected by the school several times and actually be, been decredentialed for like a game but that's usually as far as they go it's like a one game thing they never actually do something so I, uh, I understand your frustration there but just know that it's the same way over here stupid journalists that have no business being credentialed routinely never lose their jobs over here wow but i mean a sun journalist is doing his job in a way because that's you know the, the the pay to write silly things like that so at the end of the day you can actually you have to respect them in a way because they're doing their job for their yeah. for their yeah. readership which sounds yeah, very yeah. Uh, sounds very snobbish but you know they are doing their job well in a way i just don't think the the clubs would be so accommodating anymore in a way is a good way to put it yeah it it, Um, it doesn't necessarily jibe with how we get on in our personal lives but there is an element of i guess you say workman's respect 
and acknowledging the fact that these people know who their target audience is and yeah. it ain't us. It ain't us. You get paid to, like, <laughs> paid to write that kind of nonsense well, more power to you. Play Travis. That's right. Listen to this show, but yeah. Okay. Try it. If you want well, fun, Howard, Google Clay Travis and just enjoy. <laughs> I will, yeah. <laughs> All right. Howard, thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's been we'd brilliant. Love, love the insight. We would love to have you on again during the season. Absolutely. Um, and we have a bit more, um, so stay tuned. But, Howard, we'd like to thank you. Remember, where, well, where, where can we find you on the Internet for people who, who – I know you're on a couple podcasts, so feel free to promote that. Uh, well, City Watch podcast, Blue Moon podcast, and I'm Howie Hawk 34 on Twitter. So. Mm. Thank you for reminding me about Blue Moon Podcast. I want to put out a call to, to our American citizens listeners. Look, uh, David Mooney did two podcasts for us uh, off the kindness. He didn't even have to do the second one when we miserably botched the first. And David not only did it, but he told me his own personal story of when it happened to him. And right now, the Blue Moon podcast is trying to raise funds to stay on air, and they've set up a Patreon account. And if you can, you know, even just a dollar, just head over there, subscribe, just help keep those guys in business, because... As we've seen with Howard, as, well, you guys haven't seen with David, but we have, um, these are nothing but first-class gentlemen who truly, really enjoy what they do, and and I think provide a great service to City fans by doing it for free. So please go there and, and help the Blue Moon podcast stay afloat. That's I, I made a promise to myself that I was going to do that today on air. Uh, and, and I just, you're, you saying that reminded me of that. So thank you because I wanted to make sure that, that David and you guys get your due for the work you do over there because it's, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm a legit a fan and I know Gray is too. Oh, thank you. Very kind. Well, yeah, he does a brilliant job on, on that podcast. So, yeah, and obviously they don't make money and they put a lot of time into it as well. The editing, they'll stay there, you know, to midnight some nights putting the show together. So, yeah, any contribution is really appreciated. So, Absolutely. Well, Howard, we're going to let you get on with your evening. Thank you again for yeah. joining us. No problem. And um, we'll pause here. <laughs> Welcome back after our brief intermission. Um, Gray and Josh are still here, and we'd like to again thank Howard Hawken for his time today and we'll definitely be having him back later on in the season. But now if you were paying close attention to this podcast earlier on, I said something about if you are interested in the connection of the uh, Manchester city, American supporter branches that you should stay tuned to the end to, for the end of the podcast. And here we are. And with us is Joey McCune. And what's up, guys? How are you? Good, buddy. Um, so we're working on some things, and Josh has been heavily involved. Joey's been heavily involved. So I'm just going to turn the floor over to you guys to tell us about 
what's going on with our podcast, the American Citizens Podcast, and the uh, Manchester City Supporters branches across the country? Yeah, Gray, um, we had uh, been talking about some things that we wanted to do here with the Manchester City Podcast, and one of those things that we really wanted to do was find a way to interact with the clubs on uh, the supporters clubs on a personal level and use our show as a platform uh, to help share the good work that they're doing as well as um, uh, just, you know, events that are coming up. You always hear about supporter clubs or supporter branches uh doing things across the pond and i imagine for for us american listeners it can sometimes suck uh because it's just a reminder of what you'll never have uh you won't be you know um so we wanted to sort of create an environment where uh supporter groups and supporter group presidents and members to get at us have an open line of communication. Uh, we follow back every single supporter uh, group that, that follows us, so you guys have a direct line to us. And in the spirit of that, we have also tapped into the great unknown of the Internet and pulled us out a senior, uh, not chapter, because you get your ass kicked if you say that, senior branch correspondent, Mr. Joe McCune. Uh, Joey, first of all, I want to say welcome to American Citizens. And secondly, man, why don't you uh, first tell the people a little bit about yourself and then uh, explain, you know, what you and I had talked about as far as your role moving forward with American Citizens. All right, man. Good deal. First, thanks for having me on and for bringing me on board with everything. I'm a longtime City fan. Have been since '99, since I was a little kid. Uh, first match I ever saw was Gillingham at Wembley when we went up into the first division. So it's been been a long time for me. I'm a member of uh, Blue Moon Dallas down here in Dallas, obviously. Um, and that's kind of how we got hooked up. One of our guys, you know, put you and me in touch, and here we are. Um, I think kind of what we've talked about is, you know, just being able to hear from different branch representatives from across the country, um, maybe even some of the ones in North America, I mean, you know, Canada, we've got a few branches up there, um, and just kind of getting there, what's going on with them? Do they have any charitable events coming up? Do they have any big watch parties or something like that coming up that they want to try to push out to people that maybe don't know that they've got something going on? Or even just if they're looking for people or want to get in touch with other city fans that they haven't found yet. I think this is kind of a good vehicle for that to, that to happen. Yeah. And, and I think that it too, it also enables us to stay connected with you guys. We want to know what you want to hear. Um, we we're fortunate in that partnerships and, and, and friendships with, uh, 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 you know, uh, guys like David Mooney, Asan, mm -hmm. and, and so on and so forth allow us to get them on this show 
with a frequency that 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 other members may not be able to do uh in their own ventures right. so to that end uh to quote the the great peter parker actually to quote the great ben parker uh with great power comes great responsibility and we need to be not a voice for these chapters but we need to do our part Branches. um yeah, yeah, branches, branches, branches. <laughs> Dang it, thank you. I will get there, man. We will get there. I promise. Um, I, I you know, I if, if you if you want to know why my default is always chapters, it's because I'm I'm in a fraternity or was throughout college, a Kappa Alpha order, and uh, uh, yeah, that we 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 call those things chapters. So my automatic mm-hmm. default setting for everything is chapters and provinces. Um, but with great power comes great responsibility, and we felt like it was our duty to uh, provide these outlets, uh, provide these groups, rather, mm-hmm. with an outlet to share the good work that they're doing. It's 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 so important to the good name of the club, and it really, in my opinion, I think makes up the heart of the fan base, too. And, and you guys over there in Dallas have had several uh, uh, notable achievements. Uh, would you want to share just a little bit about those? Yeah. Um, so I think we officially started up. I don't know, five or six years ago or something like that. Uh, but we were one of the fastest groups to get the heart of the city, which they, I don't think the club gives out anymore, but it was this, uh, it was this, uh, award you'd get to, it kind of went to the pub that you ha- held your watch parties at and everything. Basically, it was just kind of a, a thing that would be on the club's website that you could go and say you were traveling from, anywhere and you were in Dallas for some reason, you could find on the website that our pub, the British Lion, formerly the Londoner, in Frisco was going to be the place that was going to have the game on, was going to have the sound on, and you weren't going to be the only blue in the bar. Um, We were one of the fastest ones to ever get that. I think we also might have gotten the last one they ever did. Um, Some of the other pubs that have it, you know, there's the one in Chicago, Matt Hatter in New York, I believe, the Toronto folks have one, but there's only a few in America, and we were one of the ones to get that. Um, also, we're on, I don't know, we're on TV all the time, just on the, the stupid little, the pictures they put on NBC Sports Network in between, you know, matches and stuff, because we really try to bombard Twitter and all that. Um, and we also, I like to think, we do a pretty good job of, uh, when the club does come here, making sure that a lot of our folks can meet up with a lot of the folks from the other groups and, uh, yeah, and even trying I wanna, to help some of these other groups. I don't want to, be, to cut you off, but tell a little bit. There was a really cool thing that actually happened last year out of some adversity. Uh, mm-hmm. The game was obviously canceled in Texas uh, due to the weather conditions, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what ended up happening? Yeah, so it was the game was down in Houston, um, and you know during the spring last year, you know Texas was getting these horrific floods, and uh, the, the pitch was just completely unplay, unplayable. So 
you know, all these folks from Austin and San Antonio and Dallas and surrounding, you know, states and everything have flown down and driven down to go watch this match. It gets rained out. So they go over to the pub next to the stadium. And typical city fans were just sitting here thinking, oh, you know, this would happen. They'd come to Texas finally, and then it gets rained out, and then they're just going to leave, and we're going to be stuck here. Well, typical city fans, we doubted how great our club was. Um, the club actually sent over uh, Brian Kidd and Mike Summerby to the pub, who sat down with all the city fans, did an impromptu Q&A with everybody, hung out, had a few drinks. Uh, then the club brought over um, – boxes and boxes of gear that would have been worn during the match and just kind of gave it out to everybody and (laughs) turn this thing this thing that was like oh my god i can't believe you know it's a wasted trip into uh i can't believe probably not gonna be replicated yeah people who didn't go were like took gave the ticket back to their friend were like nah man Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna turn around and go home you go to the bar and drink like they're gonna regret not having gone and the funny part about this story is is it's my normal protocol to ask every single one of my guests if they have something that they want to talk about this actually was not on you you didn't prompt me on this one at all. This is completely of my own knowledge base that I remember mm-hmm. this story and remember to bring it up on air. So <laughs> give us credit uh, that 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 we ha- are at least somewhat plugged into uh, branch goings on, and, and go. we want to make that an important part of this show. So. Uh, what I've done is I've I've tasked Joe with reaching out to to club presidents and and he'll be doing one on one interviews with them and we're gonna air those on the show and also just as kind of like standalone little pieces depending on the length of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean you're gonna go you're gonna talk to these guys about what exactly? I mean what what's the hope here? Uh, I think one of the things, just for me, is so every group kind of has its origin story. Like, how did how did you guys get together? Well, I know I know ours, um, but whenever I interview our president, everyone else gets to know it too. And every group's is a little bit different. And um, so, one just to kind of get that out there, because there are people out there that will hear some of these stories and be like, "Oh, that's me. That's what I'm going through." And then maybe we can hook them up with a group that's close to them. Um, I also want to find out what's it like wherever they watch. What's it like, kind of what's the culture like in their branch, because every branch is a little bit different. And then um, what do they do kind of outside of just watching the club? You know, Do they do charitable stuff? Do they, like we do a toy drive every year down in Dallas for um, one of the children's hospitals. Or are the people that do... You know, do people go build a soccer field or anything? Just kind of figure out what does everybody do. And then uh, finally, just get the info out about these groups so we can grow them. And, I don't know, maybe inspire people in cities that don't have one to reach out to other folks and make their own. Make their own <laughs> Bakersfield. Branches. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you got two in L.A., but Bakersfield doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, no, and we're two hours away from L.A., too. Mm-hmm. And- Fresno doesn't have one. 
And the closest real one for them is either, uh, I, I think, San Jose or San Francisco. San I'm Fran. not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't sure if there was one in San Jose. But San Fran is, is still about a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour drive for them. So mm-hmm. even if you wanted to go and meet up with your buddies, like let's just say it's uh, uh, the, the dreaded 4.30 start time here in the States. Nothing sucks more <laughs> than the dreaded 4.30. Uh, you, you have to leave <laughs> at 1 a.m. just to go yeah. and meet up with your buddies. And then that's assuming you got any sleep. Lord knows you can't sit down and have a drink with them because then you've got to turn around and drive three hours. And while some <laughs> people might you know, be like, ah, whatever. I, look, man, I'm not going to endorse drinking and driving on this show. If you're getting plowed at the bar, you shouldn't be driving home. You know better. So even if you do it, stop. Uh, but, yeah, there's, yeah, there's no, really nowhere for us in the Central Valley to go. So we're kind of trying to put in the work of, of getting one started. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully things like this, like you said, uh, can can kickstart that, but uh, have you any ideas? I we can get out of here on this. Uh, have you any ideas of how uh, of who you want to attack first? Where you want to attack first? Are you going to start with Dallas? Yeah, I'll probably start right here at home, um, just because. I mean, one, that's contact info I already have, clearly. Uh, and I like our story. I think our story is pretty cool. Um, after and you're that, controlling who gets to write the story. So, like, yeah. That's... <laughs> I trust the guy I'll interview. It, it, it won't be it. me. That was the most American <laughs> response ever. So, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and then uh, the folks up in Chicago – Victoria Gregory, um, Warren Garlic. I'm not sure which one's running that place now. Um, the guys down in Austin, Joey Bacon and all them. New Orleans, which is like one dude, Jeremy Smith, the poor guy, bless his soul. I mean, he is down there just doing it by himself and doing great. And then um, hit up some of the, the, the big market, like New York, uh, the guys in Toronto, that kind of stuff to – the more international markets. Yeah, and I kind of go from there. And I can't wait to check it out, man. Like I'm, I'm honestly really excited to hear some of these stories because I think that everybody forgets. And as uh, as you were telling that, I was thinking about some of our own stories from just my fraternity days and how you'd go to another chapter and you'd hear about how they got started and it was like totally mm-hmm. different. Um, and I'm hoping here that with going to the different branches that, that we'll get some really unique stories and we can start documenting those in a series. So if anybody wants, they can go on to the American cities and this website. Well, you know, one of these days we'll just do just that. We'll get us a damn website. And, there you uh, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we have a, this thing was born out of my sponsorship with blog talk radio. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, I have a homepage there that I do everything with, but it's not really built to host 
written information. <clears throat> so maybe a WordPress, maybe a WordPress situation and, uh, and, and, and something, but, but we want to have a bank of, of, uh, listen to listenable podcasts that people can go to and see, Oh, okay. California. All right. Check out. All right. There's Hollywood. Right. There's Los Angeles. There's San France. You can talk to all, you can listen to those podcasts if they're close to you and find out if those are the types of guys you'd want to go hang out with. And, and hopefully if, if they're not, then hopefully that inspires you to start something closer. Like don't just, right. don't just hate <laughs> what you hear. Be inspired to be the group that everybody loves. You know, you got you got to fill in that ah, I don't like them with doing something of, of your own, right? So, uh, well, I'll let you get out of here on this, man. Um, why don't you tell the people where they can find you at on social media, and if you have an email address set up, if there are any, and I know there are, listening. Uh, any club presidents or club members who want to get at us, how they can start by getting in contact with you so you can set up interviews with them. So you can find Twitter, and as a Mary, C-C-U-N-E. Want to repeat that again? You kind of got out there, and that's critical. A-T, and as a Mary, C-C-U-N-E at JT McCune on Twitter. If you want to email me, it's the reverse. So it's McCuneJT at gmail.com. Um, those are probably the easiest ways to get to me, especially if uh, you're one of the presidents that I haven't met yet or I don't know. Uh, some of the other guys, they'll probably, I'll probably just text them. But um, if you're one of the far-flung guys that I haven't met yet, please hit me up and we can work out a date get this thing knocked out that way you can uh, spread the word about your, uh, your clan, wherever you are. Yeah, man, I'm pretty excited for it. And, and again, I want to say thank you. Uh, I, I say this word and I, I don't mean it in, in most of the ways that, that people take it when they hear it, but you were kind of aggressive about getting on board with it. And, and through that, your passion was just evident. And and that's that's how I knew it was a fit, and and I'm I'm really excited to see what you guys are going to produce, and I know that you will have a whole team of people in Dallas helping you because it's it's not just one man down there, it's 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 a branch of people. Uh, exactly. But uh, <laughs> I look forward to your first piece, and I hope everybody has enjoyed this episode of American citizens. I let Gray go early because he needed to eat and it was getting later uh, where he lived. I too am also going to be letting Joe go here so he can go eat. Uh, But uh, I want to give a special thanks to Howard Hawk and our guest. Uh, He just first class stayed with us for a great length of time answering uh, basically every question that was thrown at us. So for anybody who threw uh, Joe any questions, you can be reasonably assured, well, if you're this far, you know your question got answered. So 
anyways, uh, we promise to be always try and be that vigorous about getting your questions answered when possible. Um, so get, keep getting them to us. You can find me on Twitter at America City Zens with a Y C Y C I T Y Z E N S and just America because Twitter won't allow me to go with American. Apparently, it's too long. Um, so America Citizens, or you can follow me personally. I recommend at Fight on Twist FC. Um, but you are free to follow me on my American Journalism account at Fight on Twist, which has a considerable amount more followers and tweets. Uh, so with that, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, Joey, you got any last things you want to plug before we get out of here? You want to close this down? I'm good, man. Let's just get this thing rolling and let's beat the hell out of Sunderland on Sunday, huh? Yeah, Saturday. let's let's do. It's one of those days, man. Let's <laughs> let's do it, and uh, I can't wait to have you back on. So with that. This is American Citizens. I'm Josh Webb, Ray Tatsky earlier, Joey McCune coming at you moving forward, and we will catch you next time here on the American Citizens Podcast sponsored by Blog Talk Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.